Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. And Nick. And we are almost finished with the month of March. Nick, what was your favorite part about March? I think it was getting dinner with you, bro. We got some great pizza, had some laughs, had some delicious red wine. That stands out to me. Mine was going to North Adams with my girlfriend, Victoria. We had a fantastic time for my birthday. Great food, great ambiance. It was a a nice getaway and definitely better than my Brooklyn dinner. Awesome. All right, cool. So you know, for sure. Yeah, it was was really fun. I I, I sent you pictures. It was beautiful. I mean, I'll do stuff she does. Anyways, let's get to this Brooklyn Nets-Minnesota Timberwolves game from last night. Me and Nick are going to break it down for you now. Let's talk about this Nets-Timberwolves game span, all right? Final score, the Nets 112, the Timberwolves 107, puts us a half game behind the Philadelphia 76ers for second place in the East at 32-15. and We've won eight of our last 10. Uh, We are on a two-game win streak, and this game was the first time from our two-to-one three-game trip that Kyrie wasn't a part of, which for the record, I said we'd go two-and-one. You said, what's our record? I said, we're going to go two-and-one against the Blazers, Jazz, and Pistons, and I was right. Okay, kudos to you for being right. What the hell are you doing reading the score? That's my thing. I thought I would try something new today. Uh, Look, this was one of those games where you thought that the Nets would blow them out. Obviously, the Timberwolves, no D'Angelo Russell, uh, Anthony Edwards was great in this one, 23 points and 10 rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns had 31 points. He hit four three-pointers and also grabbed 12 boards. The win itself was pretty ugly. I mean, this was a game reminiscent of the Knicks game, reminiscent of the Wizards game. Any game where we've had some late-game turnovers, mistakes, we were up 10 points with two minutes and six seconds left. This game should have been over. And what did the Nets do? They let up a three to Carl Anthony Towns. They turn the ball over. Harden tries to go to Kyrie. It gets turned over. Layup from Anthony Edwards. Edwards gets another steal. And before you know it, it's a tie ball game. Or, or I'm sorry, Anthony Edwards missed a free throw to tie the game. So the Nets were only up one with not much time left. Nets got lucky. They got some stops late when they needed to. But this is becoming a pattern. The Nets, with about two to three minutes left in the fourth quarter, They've just been choke artists. Now, they've been pulling a lot of these games out because they're relying on sheer talent in James Harden and Kyrie Irving to hit free throws, and they've been relying on defensive stops. But, Nick, at what point does this bite you in the ass, and and you need to clean this up before the playoffs? Well, listen, all right, we're up 10 with two and a half minutes left. Everyone thinks it's over. The Nets start to slow it down, get a little lackadaisical. KAT hit a deep, deep three. That was a, I'm going to huck this up in desperation. It's probably not going to go in. It went in, cut it to seven. Like you said, quick turnover. Uh, uh, I wasn't Edwards who finished on the next play. Um, it was somebody else. I forget his name, number, number three, I believe. Kind of a tall, like your player. Beasley, Beasley. That. And then we're up three, and Bruce Brown, why is the ball with a minute left up three in Bruce Brown's hands and not Kyrie or Harden? Bruce Brown, love what he's done this season. Not the guy to be dribbling the ball out to win the game. Anthony Edwards, more athletic, quicker player, picks his pocket. 
drives at the under, under the court on a fast break. It was not a foul. This is what I'll say. Bruce Brown bumped him about eight feet away from the hoop. Edwards took another dribble, laid it in. Bruce Brown kind of went under him, didn't even touch him. They called a foul. It was a bad call. Granted, it was now 108-107 after Edwards made that layup to tie it up. He misses the free throw. The ball doesn't lie. I don't think it was a foul, but Edwards did have a chance to kind of ruin this game for the Nets. Um, obviously, we got the ball hard and hits both his free throws. Desperation, three misses, and we sealed the game. But yes, there has been a pattern in the last five minutes of fourth quarters. We tend to start blowing the game. We let bad teams back in the game. Um, this was similar to that. I will say, though, it wasn't a huge, stupid mistake. It was, why is the ball in Bruce Brown's hands? That sh- that's just not ideal. Um, I think Harden actually picked up his dribble was the problem halfway in backcourt. I don't know why I picked it up through to Bruce Brown a second later. It's in the T-Wolves hands. So my point being, this isn't as ugly as some other games where we've turned the ball over with a second left on an inbounds play. We've dropped the ball. We, we had no plan to get out of a, a double team in the backcourt. This seemed a little more like Timberwolves hit a few big shots. We, Harden made the mistake of picking up his dribble and giving it to Bruce Brown, but there was no one play I'll say where it was just like, wow, the Nets keep blowing it. Harden, another triple double in this one, 38 points, 13 assists and 11 rebounds. Uh, He is really playing for this MVP right now. I don't think there's another player in the NBA putting up numbers like he is other than Russell Westbrook, but Westbrook's doing it for a crappy wizards team. Kyrie had 27. He had 19 first half points. He could not miss in the first quarter. He was on fire, cooled off in the second quarter, finished with 27 for the game and seven rebounds. Uh, Nick Claxton was okay in this one. In fact, our best big man was actually DeAndre Jordan. He scored 10 points, only grabbed two boards, but had four huge dunks in the first quarter. The Nets really started this game off hot. They had 37 points in the first, cooled off in the second and third and the fourth. They scored less than 30 in 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 the other three quarters, but... Look, you love what Harden's doing right now. He's he's doing a great job of carrying this team a little bit. Yeah, Kyrie poured in 27, but when Kyrie's not scoring, he's not making that many guys around him better. Harden had 13 assists in this one. Uh, Bruce Brown, nice game, 10 points for him. Joe Harris, seven points. Blake Griffin only played 19 minutes, picked up four personal fouls, but he was a plus 13 in this one, had a beautiful one-handed pass to Tyler Johnson in the corner for three. That was Tyler Johnson's only bucket of the game. Um, The one thing that you like about this Nets team was they held the Timberwolves to 32% from three-point range and 39% from the field. The defense was there tonight for the Nets, especially late. They were able to get the stop on Anthony Edwards. They were able to slow Minnesota down in those final few possessions. But you don't love to see this. Even in a win, you don't love to see the sloppy play. You hope it cleans up when they get Kevin Durant and Landry Shamit back. But uh, this, was, this was an ugly win. It was, it, was a, it was a tough win. We were up the entire game. But, again, this is a Timberwolves team that's in the bottom five in every single category in the NBA, you would think. You don't want it being this close down the stretch. James Harden, fun fact, 19-0 and at home against the Timberwolves in his NBA career. Kept that streak alive. Uh, yeah, Timberwolves are a bad team. I always feel bad for KAT. And Ricky Rubio now back in Minnesota is just a step slow. He, he was never a, uh, a, an elite player, but he was a solid point guard, right? And he's just – he can't keep up with Kyrie. There's one play where Kyrie tried to drive on him and Rubio tried to get position to take a charge. 
and he just bounced off of Kyrie and got called for a blocking foul and got just bitched to the ground. So ugly win will take the win. And I disagree that DeAndre was the best big man of the game. Blake Griffin had five, five, and six uh, compared to DeAndre's 10 and two. So I'd rather someone get five assists uh, and five points than 10 points and one assist personally. Jeff, um, Jeff Green might have been the best big man tonight. Ten points for him, four of six from the field, four rebounds, two blocks. But he came up clutch at the end of the game with, with the star-studded defense on Anthony Edwards. Also, you know, I hate to say this. Are we going to dump Chioza at some point this season? Yeah, probably. He's not going to be on the roster when Landry, Shamit, and KD come back. Are you kidding? Poor kid, man. I mean, he's working. Do you want him off. playing playoff minutes? I don't understand. He's not that good. No, Sped, I'm not talking about his basketball skill for a second. I'm talking about him as a person. He worked his ass off in the bubble. He kind of made a name for himself on, in this broken organization. We come in and we get nine better players than him on the roster in the span of like eight months. All I'm saying is, as a Brooklyn Nets fan, Shioza is a Brooklyn Net. He works really hard. He right now is just not on the level of other players. So he'll probably get demoted to the G League or he'll get waived. But all I'm saying is it is sad despite it being a necessary move. Uh, I think that Treoza and Timothy Luau Cabarro, those two guys can absolutely find other jobs in the NBA. Just because you're the 13th best guy on the best team in the NBA doesn't mean you can't play. So I think there's definitely spots for Treoza. I mean, right now, TLC is getting minutes, which is shocking to me. I think he'll be worked out of the rotation when Shamit, Durant, and LMA are active for the Nets. But overall, you like to see the Nets win. Anything else on this game, Nick? No, but I know we're, we're about to start talking about the LaMarcus Aldridge pickup, but isn't, when you keep calling him LMA, I really wish there was an O at the end so we can call him LMAO. Maybe like LaMarcus Aldridge, like offense or something. Like, yo, we need that offense. We need that LMAO, you know? I can see that being something that Ian Eagle will say in the play-by-play. LMAO! Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't know if he's as clever as you, Nick. No one he's really much is. much more clever. Oh. Yeah. Bird? Who, Bird? He's Ian Eagle, yeah. Oh, and shout out Michael Grady. He was, again, phenomenal tonight. I actually really like when he does the play-by-play. I know, obviously, it's a little bit different than Ruko and and Eagle, who Nets fans are used to, but Grady has a style and a savviness of his own. He he was great with Kustok, and uh, I, I was just happy to listen to them tonight. They called a great game. And shout out to Lil Baby, who was there after the game, dapping up James Harden. She like how I perform, so I or nope, with my chains on. Let's move, let's move on. All right, Nick, let's get to some Nets news for the week. Obviously, this is a few days ago, but LaMarcus Aldridge signed with the Brooklyn Nets. The Heat were believed to be the front runner, And in the end, LaMarcus said, no, 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 I'm going to Brooklyn. I see what they're doing over there. I see why Blake Griffin signed. He looks like he's having fun for the first time in four years. So LMA chose the Nets. What was your initial reaction when you saw the Nets had signed LaMarcus Aldridge? It was shock. I couldn't I could not believe that we signed LaMarcus Aldridge. I think you had texted me as soon as it happened just saying LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I mean, this is huge. LaMarcus Aldridge is a seven-time All-Star. The dude has averaged 20 points a game over his career, 6'11, 250 pounds. I mean, he's just a better big man than anyone we have or anyone we dreamed of getting. Yes, is he a couple of years out of his prime? Yes, is he averaging only, you know, around 13 a game this season as opposed to his 20 over his career? Yeah, I mean, he's not an all-star anymore. But he's still a Marcus Aldridge. He's an offensive juggernaut. He shoots at over 45%. I mean, he is better than DeAndre Jordan in almost every capacity. Can you say he's as good of a shot blocker? I'm not sure. But 
I'm a Marcus Aldridge again. He's just an elite player coming down on on a couple years out of his prime, but an upgrade from anything we had. So very excited. Here's why I like this signing because if you're able to play LMA at the five, who can stretch the floor, he can defend bigs, he can rebound, he can do everything DeAndre Jordan can do, minus the highlight alley oops that you'll get once every few games. If he's able to take away DeAndre Jordan's minutes and you have a rotation where it's essentially LMA and Claxton at the five, sprinkle in a little bit of DJ like the Lakers did with Javal McGee or the Warriors did with Javal McGee, sprinkle him in a little bit. And then you have Blake and Jeff play that four. And I think that is a dynamic front court. I love this signing. If you still play DeAndre Jordan, the minutes you're playing him and sort of split Clax's uh, time for LaMarcus Aldridge, I will be extremely annoyed. It, it depends on how Nash plays this, but I really like this signing. I'm a huge LaMarcus Aldridge fan. I looked up all these highlights of him from Portland when he was drilling game-winning shots over the Mavericks for, for a few years. I think he hit game-winning shots against them back-to-back years or something. He was awesome on the Blazers. Obviously, his career hasn't been the same on the Spurs, but I'm very excited, man. I think we're going to get a rejuvenated LMA. I agree. I mean, I just looked it up. Over his career, DeAndre averaging 1.6 blocks, LaMarcus averaging 1.1. So really not even that big of a difference in terms of defensively DeAndre versus LaMarcus. And let's also think about this. You said the name JaVal McGee, who's been on some championship teams. He's always that big man that gives you 10 to 12 solid minutes off the bench. What I like about DeAndre moving to the bench backing up LaMarcus is DeAndre is like a better JaVal McGee. And now instead of picking up a JaVal McGee, instead of picking up someone, you know, who's a little bit worse than DeAndre that has to back him up. We now have DeAndre Jordan, a solid man off the bench. I mean, Harden had turned DeAndre into a, a, a solid big man starter this season after a very slow start, after a disappointing start that we did not think we'd see from DeAndre, who's been a pretty solid player over the past few years. Um, Not an all-star for about six years. He's been an all-star once in his career. But, I mean, this gives us the backup we now need to LaMarcus. And I don't know about you, but if we're going a little bit smaller in the lineup, Kyrie, Harris, Harden, Durant, and Aldridge, I mean, do we need to throw a big and bench Joe Harris? Because to me, that sounds perfect. I'm not sure, Nick. Uh, I don't get paid to answer questions like those, so I'm going to leave that unanswered. What I will say is this came out of left field. I thought LMA to Miami was a done deal. Everyone seemed to think that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Nets were out on Andre Drummond. He was going to choose between the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks. And then all of a sudden, we get the notification, LaMarcus Aldridge signing with Brooklyn does not choose Miami. So this has to suck if you're Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler. But uh, I don't feel bad. We'll, we'll, We'll take him as the eighth or ninth best player on our team. No problem. And I also want to say congrats to Duncan Robinson, who was nervous for a second now that he'd get dealt to Toronto, that obviously is having terrible dramatic issues. I don't know if you saw the Nurse and Siakam uh, uh, fight that was going on or some yeah, sort of verbal debacle. But congrats to Duncan. He stayed with Miami. He has a breath of fresh air. Same with Hero, because everyone's trying to get Hero. So um, that Miami team getting Oladipo, obviously, is the Nets podcast, is an improvement. Are they good enough to compete in the East? No. But just wanted to give a shout out to our boy, Duncan. Uh, what did you think was a better signing by the Brooklyn Nets, Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge? I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a better signing in terms of it'll help our team more. I like Blake Griffin uh, coming out of kind of a couple slow seasons, coming off some bad injuries and proving himself a little bit more. So for the team, LaMarcus Aldridge, for the person, Blake Griffin. 
What a weird convoluted answer. Uh, yeah, I like the Blake Griffin signing slightly more because in their primes, Blake Griffin was more exciting to me. But I think that Aldridge is a better basketball player. I'm just more excited about the Griffin signing. Plus, he brings an energy. You basically just said the same answer. Yeah, it was it was a little words. bit different. He brings an energy and emotion that LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't think, has in his repertoire. But he is a much better basketball player. All right. So just to confirm. So just to confirm. Yes, yes. You, you personally like the Blake Griffin signing more. But you think LaMarcus is a better basketball signing. Accurate. Okay, great. Thanks. All right. Uh, Speaking of Blake Griffin, he was recently quoted. He said that the perception of him changed after he signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Here was his quote. It's kind of funny to me because for the last couple years, all I've heard is how bad I am. Griffin said, you signed with this team and everybody's like, that's not fair. Your reaction to Griffin's comments. Yeah, it's totally warranted. Of course, that's what happens. Everyone's a fair weather fan, right? Everyone's going to hate on you when you're playing crappy in Detroit. And then everyone's going to hate on you when you go to a great team and can finally have some highlight moments again. I mean, Blake Griffin, what, 17 points against his former team in the Pistons, looking like somewhat older Blake Griffin. He's been dunking a lot more, which we really hoped was possible, considering he's very short and unathletic, sarcastically. Um, Yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin, good for him taking it on the chin and being a good sport and being like, they're going to hate on me no matter what I do. I just want to play my game. Other players who aren't as mature and, and self-confident would be a little more bitter and would be a little have a little more disdain towards the hate. So I respect Blake Griffin. I understand completely why he would say that and, and how that plays out because social media sucks. Fans suck. I say fans with air quotes with my fingers, but you guys can't see me because it's a podcast. And Blake Griffin's going to get a ring this year and shut everybody the fuck up. Yeah, sure. Uh- Exactly what you said. I think you're right. I think that he will shut everybody up this year. We'll get to Stephen A. Smith's comments in a little bit, but a lot of people did not like that he chose to sign with the Nets. At the end of the day, he was hurt a lot in Detroit. They never really built a good team around him. He's not in his prime. He knows it. Why not go to a powerhouse like Brooklyn that he thinks he can help? He thinks he can get that coveted championship. I mean, let's think about it this way, right? The majority of the people listening to this podcast are Nets fans. So we are going to like garnering every talented player to our roster that gives us a better chance of winning. But as I know, most of you could resonate. I hated seeing LeBron James, Chris Bosh go to South Beach to join D-Wade. As soon as LeBron made that announcement, I was pissed right off the bat, right? The Lakers, as they're building this team, and we'll get to the Drummond trade. You hate to see that shit. But when it's in your favor, it's awesome. So, you know, to play devil's advocate to the people who who are to the people who are upset about what we're getting, I do understand. It's not no, your team. No, it's no, hard no, to Nick. See. Don't don't try to understand. To the people who are saying it's not fair that we got Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge, build better cultures around your organization. Make your organization so attractive that players like Kevin Durant and like Kyrie Irving want to come play for you. James Harden wants to be traded to you. It's Create not that fair, culture and then come back to me. I, it's not even about fairness, right? It's not like, oh, that's not fair. You got, they're just bitter that it isn't your team. It's like when you have a Tyson Chandler or a Marcus Smart and everybody in the league hates him when he's on the other team, but when he's on your team, you fucking love him, right? So again, I am not saying it's not fair, but I have felt angry in the past at other teams. So yes, I understand why you're angry with us, but I'm holding up two middle fingers because I still want to win. Yeah, and I'm holding up two more because I also want to win. Go Brooklyn. All right, Nick, let's get to some news around the league. Andre Drummond. That's four middle fingers for the record. 
Andre Drummond to the Los Angeles Lakers, Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. Which move worries you more if you're the Brooklyn Nets? Not even a question, Andre Drummond. You know, it's funny. I was terrified of Andre Drummond going to the Lakers, but then we got Blake and LaMarcus Aldridge. And I'm almost, I'm not happy. I'm almost like, okay, Lakers, like, do it. Get them. See what happens. I'm not scared of you guys anymore. Drummond was was at one point in consideration to come to Brooklyn. I know me and you would have this conversation that we wanted him. He would have been a great addition to the team. But I honestly prefer Blake and LaMarcus to Andre Drummond. We have a solid five, and we have a four now coming off the bench who – arguably you could say both of them might not be playing up to Drummond right now. We're both better than Drummond in their prime, I would say both talent wise. So kind of a comparable two versus one way more scared about the Lakers with Drummond. Cause that was kind of the, the last piece of the puzzle. They need to complete this, their own super team, right? If you're saying there's a super team in Brooklyn, there's definitely now a super team in, in LA if there wasn't before. Um, I am again, more happy for Aaron Gordon as a player to go to the Denver Nuggets. Do I think the Nuggets are in contention now? No, I don't think Gordon is uh, uh, elite enough to bring you over that hump. Um, you know, he's still not even the first or second best player on the team. It, it would be Jokic and then Murray. So I'm happy for Gordon because I've talked about it probably now four podcasts in a row. The Magic suck. They created a culture around there around the wrong players. Gordon had to rely on Evan Fournier, who's now on the Celtics as of the trade deadline. Uh, Terrence Ross and Jonathan Isaacs were just not good enough players to bring a team deep into the playoffs. So I'm happy for Gordon because the Nuggets are going to be a great franchise over the next 10 years. But in the immediate future, the Lakers are way more scary. I am more scared of Drummond because I think the Lakers at full strength are better than the Nuggets at full strength. I think that Drummond is better than Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell. So he's an upgrade over anybody the Lakers are trying to play at the five right now. He's still young. He's still got great legs. He can still rebound. He used to date Jeanette McCurdy which is kind of a fun fact. Uh, Sam from iCarly for those. Sam from iCarly. And he's from Connecticut. So he obviously thought about the Celtics, but realized Los Angeles is much better than Boston. Um, I I was impressed with Aaron Gordon's debut. He looked really good playing alongside Jokic and Murray. He had some really nice passes, some off the ball cuts where he finished with the Dunkarooski. Uh, So I'm excited to see how good Denver can be in the playoffs, but I agree with you. It's it's Andre Drummond. That's the slightly more terrifying signing if you're a Nets fan. Absolutely. All right, Nick. Stephen A. Smith is upset with LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin for signing with the Nets in a crazy rant on first take yesterday. Stephen A. babbled about how Blake and LMA failed as cornerstone pieces for their respective franchises, and he is turned off that they now want to hitch themselves to the Nets bandwagon. Nick, could you tell our listeners why Stephen A. is so off with this take? I'm sorry, is Stephen A. saying that Blake Griffin, a couple years out of his prime, is a cornerstone for the last place Detroit? No, he was saying, he was saying, Back in the day, they had their chances as the one for the Clippers, as the one for the Blazers. Those teams failed. Now they're obviously not in their primes anymore. He's, he's saying that, you know, they failed back in the day. Now they want to hitch themselves to a championship bandwagon, the nerve of them. So they don't deserve to be on a winning team because they, didn't, they couldn't do it five to seven years ago. That's like saying LeBron shouldn't have gone to South Beach. He had his opportunity in Cleveland the first couple of years. 
Get That's em. a ridiculous statement. That's a ridiculous statement. Like nobody deserves to win, right? Stephen A. Smith, you get one chance at a championship and then that's it. If you don't win within your first couple tries, you should probably just retire from the NBA and go golfing with Charles Barkley and Tom Brady. Stephen A. Smith looks for things to be loud about, right? He's just like, hey, I haven't raised the volume of my voice today. What's something I can insert in this sentence and say loudly? That's ridiculous. You know, can we stop for one second thinking about, these players as objects and start thinking about them as people and maybe how hard they've worked throughout their life to get here. And maybe they're okay taking a step back as a franchise player to be on a winning team and hold up a trophy for once in their life before they hang up their sneakers for forever. Can, do people deserve that? Do people with integrity and, and, a, and a dedication and a work ethic deserve to be on top for once in their life? I don't know, Stephen. A. You get paid a lot of money to criticize them, but why don't we get paid, spend to criticize him? Where's my paycheck? That was beautifully said, Nick. And I just want to say that Nick's rant is brought to you by Slate Chocolate Milk. Shout out Slate Milk. Nick drinks one before every single episode of Fireside Nets. That's why he has the energy to rant like that. Well done, Nick. And Stephen A., we know you're listening. Just back off a little bit, okay? Stay out of this fight. ESPN pays you a ton of money. But when you speak about the Brooklyn Nets, you should be paying them because you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Slate Milk uh, is now available in Whole Foods market stores in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Maine. All right, Nick, before we get to our game breakdowns, this last segment is called Egg on Everybody's Face, who criticized Kyrie Irvin last week. So last week, Kyrie announces that he is taking some time off. The the team says it's for personal reasons. He doesn't travel with the team for the three-game road trip. And you had a lot of people on Nets Twitter attacking Kyrie's character. It happened to be his birthday on March, I believe, 27th or 26th. But everybody jumped to these conclusions. They made accusations. And guess what? Kyrie Irvin and his fiance Marlene Wilkerson, are expecting a child to be born into this world together. So he did not play. He did not travel with the team last week because him and his fiance are now expecting a child. So egg on everybody's face who criticized Kyrie Irvin this past week. Nick, you and I did not have a comment. We didn't want to speculate. We said we would wait until more news came out. Congrats to Kyrie. That's uh, more important than basketball and it always will be. So wishing his newborn child health and happiness. Stephen A, what are you going to say about that? The child is not born yet. They're expecting. Yes. Oh, you're you're saying when the you're saying when when the the child child is born. born. You're okay. Okay, that threw me off. When the future newborn child is born. All right, Nick. Last Tuesday, we're going back to the Nets beat the Blazers one sixteen to one twelve. No Kyrie for this one. James Harden was really impressive. Twenty five points and seventeen assists. And Nick Claxton was able to close out the W for the Nets. He had 16 points, nine rebounds, but played his arse off in that fourth quarter. What was your reaction against this Blazers team that had Dame and CJ, and and, and they were both active, and Melo's on that team. What did you think of this Nets win? I love Melo on the Blazers. This is like everyone's favorite Melo nowadays. Uh, Let's just keep in mind they did not have Nurkic. Uh, who is now back. I think this is the last game he was not playing before he's back from his injury. And they just traded Trent Jr. uh, and Rodney Hood for Norm Powell from the Raptors, who's a great upgrade. And they've been looking good. Uh, They had a great win two nights ago, if today's Tuesday, uh, Sunday night um, against the Hornets in overtime. So, sorry, that was the Suns in overtime. 
The Blazers had a, a great win with their new team. Give against me one the second. Raptors. Against the Raptors. Oh, yes. The Blazers had a great win against the Raptors after that big trade. So, so congrats to the Blazers on that. Um, in this game, what I saw was just solid playing, shot 50% from the field, um, limited our turnovers under 10, which when we've done this season, we win the majority of the time. Um, and I saw, honestly, Spen, we've been criticizing TLC a lot. He stepped it up these past few games, and he's had some flashy plays. So I think TLC had 11 this game. Uh, we're going to get the Pistons game as well, where he had seven and six, and just putting in some solid minutes and performing better than he's done in the past. So this was a good game. Uh, again, it was a weaker Blazers team I wasn't too worried about. I think they're at a, a much higher power, a higher level now, but uh, it was a good win. Yeah, whenever you can snag a game on the road in a playoff team's home building, it's great. Listen, the Blazers were in this game till the very end. They were shooting lights out from three-point range for a while. Covington had four three-pointers and 13 points. Uh, McCollum had four three-pointers. Lillard had three-pointers. The team ended up shooting 19 of 55 and only 35%, but they really, they really lost this game in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, they scored 41 in the first quarter. The Nets did nothing on defense. And then the Nets were able to hold him to 25, 25, and 21. So shout out to the Nets for playing a little bit of defense in this one. And Harden with 17 assists. That is hard to do. Good for him. Really distributing the ball with Kyrie out uh, in this game. I was, I was just impressed. It was a very impressive win on the road. Absolutely. All right, Nick, let's move on. The Nets had a back-to-back, so they played the very next night against Utah. James Harden actually sat for this game. He had some neck stiffness from that hit he took last week against Garrison Matthews of the Washington Wizards. So we had no James Harden for this one against the Jazz, no Kyrie, no KD, no Landry Shamit. I think Blake Griffin actually was out for this game too. So virtually Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and nobody played in this game. Score was basically how you'd expect it, 118 to 88. The Jazz won every single quarter against the Nets. Donovan Mitchell was fantastic. He was 11 of 18 from the field with 27 points. The one positive, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, Alizé Johnson played very well in his debut. 23 points, 11 of 15 from the field. I believe he led the team in rebounds with 15 rebounds. And, and actually he had 10 defensive rebounds. He just, he, he played very well. So shout out Alizé Johnson. He has a 10 day contract. He's really trying to play his way onto this team. This was his chance to do so, Nick. He looked great, man. He is an athletic S of a B. I mean, he's trying to earn a spot on the team and there was no better time to do it when the three superstars of a team are sitting out in a blowout game when there's no pressure on you. And he showed he could ball. Um, so I was impressed with his game. And also shout out to Chris Chioza who got a double-double with 10 points and 11 assists. Obviously, this is kind of a, uh, a rare circumstance where these players are getting opportunity in a blowout game to put up more numbers, but good for Chioza, whose minutes have obviously dramatically diminished this year, and good for Alizé Johnson, Zay J, as I'm coining his new nickname, um, for getting a double-double in style. I believe that was the most points in a Nets debut since like 1974 or something, so great performance from them. Tough blowout loss, but when you kind of bench all of your starters, what do you expect, especially against the number one team in the West right now? I want to shout out the play-by-play crew for that game. I believe it was Ian Eagle, Sarah Kustok, and Richard Jefferson. And the game was so out of hand that it just turned into Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustok just making fun of Richard Jefferson. Like the camera would pan to him and he would have his like, tie undone and he would look like a slob and Ian Eagle would be like come on RJ clean yourself up like it was very funny 
They're a hilarious trio, whether it's those three, whether Ruko's in there, whether Michael Grady's calling the game. I love everybody on that yes team, Nick. Yep, I love RJ. I love Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle, shout out for doing a great job with March Madness as well. Love me some Iron Eagle. All right, Nick. And then finally, on Friday night, the Nets played the Detroit Pistons. This was a lot closer than it should have been. They won this game 113 to 111. Harden had 44 points in this one. Blake Griffin had 17 points in a revenge game against the Pistons. You watched this game. What were your thoughts? I watched this game with you and grandma. I was at your apartment and we had ordered uh, pizza from Cassie's in Englewood, which was top-notch pizza. Um, this game went how you'd expect for the first three quarters and then sadly flipped in the fourth. Uh, we were nursing a, a pretty steady lead. The Pistons would kind of uh, make go on a run and catch up with us. And then we'd inch away again. Um, good for Blake Griffin. This is kind of a fuck you Pistons game for Blake Griffin showing he could still play. But dude, what is with us not being able to inbound the ball with less than 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter in a game? It happened again, Nick. It happened again. Was that, was that Joe Harris who turned it over? It was. It was. And we didn't – We did not deserve to win in, in regulation. Then, you know, there should have been an overtime. The Pistons had, who was it? Corey Joe, Corey who Joseph. had a layup and he shot at Corey Joe, who, who literally had a layup under the hoop with 0.5, you know, whatever seconds left. And he actually missed the layup. But if yeah. you looked at the replay, he was still late on it. Even if the, if the ball right. went in, right. but drove right by who was it, Claxton or Jordan and just, just botched it. Like we did not deserve, to win 113-111 in regulation. This game should have been pushed to overtime if Corey Joseph just kind of settled himself and finished the layup uh, before the shot clock expired. But in no way should the Pistons been in the position to tie it up, but we handed them that opportunity. So it is concerning. Obviously, again, in this game, we're missing Kyrie and Durant, and we had not had the Mark Soldier yet. So we upward, we are going to upgrade on all fronts, and we don't have our, our star power. But, dude, this is the last place team in the East and you almost hand them a game on a last minute flub. It's a little concerning. Yeah. I mean, eight times out of 10, I think core Joe makes that layup. He was actually a minus 14 for the game. So not one of core Joe's best performances. Uh, Jeremy Grant, 19 points business for him as usual. Sadiq Bay had 14. He loves playing against us. And Mason Plumley had 13 points and 10 rebounds. He had one play where he was falling and he threw the ball behind his head and someone caught it and nailed a three. For some reason, the Pistons played their best basketball against us and um, is what it is. But the Nets played, I mean, the Nets still hardened. 44 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. You can't make this shit up, man. This guy is playing at an MVP level night in and night out. He's putting the Nets in a position to win, even in games where the Nets don't play great because this was not one of their better games. And you're right. They did basically try to give this game away to Detroit, but luckily Corey Joe missed the layup. It's either Corey Joseph or Corey Joe. You keep calling him Corey Joe. In, not as Nickens, Corey Joe. What's wrong with Corjo? I don't know. It sounds like a, a, a medication you'd rub on your feet. I was happy to see Blake Griffin play really well in this game. He was a plus five on the night, 17 points for him, five of six from the field. I'm sorry, five of six from the line, five of eight from the field, two three-pointers for Blake Griffin. He played hard. There was a lot of chippiness in this game. Uh, I believe wait, that- Wait, wait, wait. It was not, it was not Joe Harris on the inbound. It was Jeff Green- to, to oh. trying to throw it to Blake Griffin. And Blake yes. Griffin had position 
on I forget who the player on the Pistons was, yeah, and Blake Griffin right. like bodying him and literally got like grabbed and thrown back, and the Pistons player intercepted it. It should have been a clear foul call. Granted, Jeff Green probably should have thrown it further and over the defender's head, but that just looked like a missed foul call. Blake Griffin was kind of getting hooked and yes. bitched. Um, and so that was Jeff Green technically on the turnover, not Joe Harris. But Joe Harris, foul call. I owe you an apology. That's on me. I'm used to you botching the inbounds play, so I apologize for assuming it was you again. Um, yeah, also, like I was saying, a lot of chippiness in this game. Uh, Isaiah Stewart was ejected, flagrant too, I believe. He was kind of taking some headshots at Blake Griffin. But then after the game, Griffin commended the Pistons. He's like, yeah, these guys are pretty good. We knew it was going to be a dogfight. So uh, I don't know. I guess the Pistons aren't good when they play every other team in the NBA except us. Amen. All right, and Nick. shout out to Jeremy Grant, still good. Yes, Jeremy Grant, still good. All right, Nick, that just about does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets. Kevin Durant is on his way back. He is not playing this week, but hopefully next week he will be playing. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Nick, any final words for the listeners? No. All right, my final words are you only get one to two pizza meals a week. So try not to botch those opportunities in your life unless you're running like 20 miles a day and you're burning off those cows spam yeah that's what i've been doing that's why i'm able to eat so much pizza these days okay that's not true and as always nick catch you on the fire side i went low like baritone on that one i get it